Good morning. Our reading today is from Acts 8, 26 to 39. Then an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Get up and go toward the south, to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Now there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of the Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, in charge of her entire treasury. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning home. Seated in his chariot, he was reading the prophet Isaiah. Then the spirit said to Philip, Go over to this chariot and join it. So Philip ran up to it and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah, and he asked, Do you understand what you are reading? He replied, How can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to get in and sit beside him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this, Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb silent before its shearer, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, About whom, may I ask you, does the prophet say this, about himself or about something else? Then Philip began to speak, and starting with this scripture, he proclaimed to him the good news about Jesus. As they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What is to prevent me from being baptized? He commanded the chariot to stop, and both of them, Philip and the eunuch, went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spear of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. Blessed be the reading of God's word. So as we're going through the book of Acts and asking the question, now what? Uh, in response to the resurrection, and so between uh, the Resurrection Sunday and Pentecost, we're asking that we're looking at Acts to see what the early church had to say in response to now what do we do? And this morning we come across this story that involves Philip uh, and an Ethiopian eunuch. Uh, and when it comes to this Ethiopian eunuch, uh, in some sense he was a person of power and privilege. He was kind of the treasurer for a queen in Ethiopia. He was a court official, uh, which granted him uh, particular powers and, and a great title. And he must have been making a pretty good, uh, some fat stacks, because not very many people could afford to ride around in a chariot in this time. It would be like having a big stretch limousine or a, or a Lexus or something like that driving around. And he's driving around in this chariot. In addition to that, he's able to afford a scroll, which scrolls were even more expensive than chariots. People didn't, people didn't have personal Bibles. That was something Gutenberg brought us, right? <laughs> people couldn't carry around their own personal copy of the Bible. They were rare and hard to find. And in addition to that, he was obviously uh, well-bred and educated because he was reading that very expensive scroll sitting in his chariot. 
And uh, all of those things kind of add up to this is a guy who, who has some clout. Who has, he's a pretty impressive figure, uh, someone who's standing there. So in a lot of sense, this was someone who was a very powerful, influential person of privilege. Much different than Philip, who uh, comes from fishermen, right? Uh, and the fact that the eunuch invites him into the chariot, uh, you know, it'd be like me stopping and grabbing one of the panhandlers and putting him in my limousine and hanging out and all of that. It was a very bizarre scene. <laughs> in another way, however, this eunuch was very much an outsider. Uh, he was Ethiopian, which meant, which meant he wasn't raised in Palestine. He was raised in Africa. However, that doesn't, that wasn't such a big deal. We kind of, we see that through the lens uh, of slavery here, the American slavery issue. And so it is significant for us that this was an Ethiopian, someone from Africa, uh, someone who was probably dark-skinned and, and looked like he came from Africa. However, that was not, uh, that's something we invented, I gotta say, it, later on in the, in the history of the world, uh, that kind of racism based on the way people look. Not that there weren't national issues, but, and he was probably not raised Jewish. He was probably a, either a proselyte, which is someone who became Jewish later, or was, uh, a, a person who was worshiping in a Jewish context, but, but not fully, uh, converted yet, which we called God-fearers in the, in the Bible. <clears throat> However, we're told that he had gone down to Jerusalem to worship, but I have to tell you that he wouldn't have been allowed to worship in the temple because, as a eunuch, he was a sexual outcast. He was considered to be... In Deuteronomy 23, he says, and I won't get into the graphics of it, you can feel free to look that up for yourself, but... Uh, basically, anyone who does not have functional genitalia was not allowed to worship in the temple. And, and eunuchs were considered, uh, they, they were useful for things like taking care of queens in courts because no one had to worry about them engaging in any kind of nonsense or things there. But, uh, and, and so often they were castrated as young children and raised in that role. Uh, However, there were often also what uh, other writings call natural eunuchs. Uh, people, uh, and, and these folks were, uh, were not castrated, but they were men who were more like women. And these days we might loosely call that transgender. And, and these folks were referred to in biblical times as kind of natural eunuchs. Whatever the case, uh, they were considered by most of society as kind of sexual outcasts, outsiders, not permitted full inclusion in society or in religion or in the religious culture of the time. There were a few exceptions to that, but in general, that's the way it goes. Um, and so this, this eunuch is kind of an outsider in that sense. And he comes across, here comes Philip. And Philip, uh, led by the Holy Spirit, led by an, told by an angel to go and, and, and engage with this eunuch, uh, asked him if he understands this 
this writing that he's, he's reading. And the eunuch asks a great question. He says, how can I understand it if someone doesn't guide me? You know, as I said, he went, he went down to Jerusalem to worship. However, he would not have been permitted to worship. He probably could have, they would have taken his tithe. I'm sure they would have taken his little temple tax and all of that business. But he wouldn't have been permitted into the temple grounds. And I wonder if this question reflects some of the resentment that he might have about being left out. Sure, I, I'm interested. But I'm told that I am not worthy of being guided in this discussion. And so I'm left to kind of wonder what this text means by myself. And, and he goes on to ask, and I want to know, who is this about? Who is the prophet Isaiah talking about? And, and, and this, uh, this, this eunuch is reading Isaiah 53, uh, where it says, like a lamb led to slaughter, or a sheep before a shearer, uh, he did not open his mouth, and he wondered who this was talking about. And it talks about the humiliation being a great injustice. And I get the feeling this eunuch understands humiliation and wonders, what is, what is Isaiah talking about here? This person, this very important person, who is humiliated. And I suppose in a, in a real sense, one might understand, if one was a eunuch, the idea of being shorn and, and, and stuck between, you know, before the shearer and, and having no voice, not being able to speak. And this story, I want to say this. This story is here in Acts deliberately to point the early church toward the outcast. It's this wonderful isolated story in here about Philip that says that Luke put in there deliberately. And Luke's a wonderful author who really cares about those who are outsiders. If you read this Gospel of Luke, and if I didn't mention this before, Acts is written by Luke too, the same, same guy who wrote the Gospel. So, uh, you know, if you read throughout the Gospel of Luke, Luke is always trying to include the outcasts. Blessed are the poor, blessed are the meek, blessed are those who mourn. And he always pairs up uh, men and women. If there's, if there's a story that involves a man, there's usually a story that involves a woman somewhere in there as well. And, and Luke is very concerned about this notion of inclusion. And right here, smack in the middle of Acts, he answers the question, who can be a part of us? And deliberately puts this story with, with someone who is, who is outcast, far outcast, and is normally not included in what is going on here. The Jesus movement started among the outcasts. All the gospels kind of, you can see that, you know, poor people, lepers, uh, prostitutes, tax collectors, what a motley bunch. That early followers of Jesus must have seemed. And it wasn't that big of a leap to go from tax collectors and prostitutes and lepers to reach out and say, wait a minute, maybe we should get beyond the whole Jewish realm and start reaching out to Gentiles and see if they want. And, and that's, you know, next to tax collectors, that seems simple. Sure, why not? We can include some Gentiles in there. And, but the early church just seemed to keep going. As we read in Acts here and even going on further, it's as if the doors of heaven were suddenly flung open 
And, and Christ himself with a shout was saying, all are welcome in the kingdom of God. That's what this story seems to be saying. This Ethiopian eunuch comes to Philip and he says, wait a minute, here's some water over here. We've been talking for about 10 minutes. Is there any reason in the world I should not be baptized into the body of Christ? And Philip says, hell no, let's go do it. <laughs> Why not? No, there is no reason you, this outcast, you who've been not permitted to enter the temple, you who has not been guided, you who is thought to be something less, there is no reason in the world you should not come and be baptized into the body of Christ. Because all are welcome into the kingdom of God. This is a, a manifesto of Christ's inclusion, this story about Philip. Amen? Amen? It is a manifesto about the inclusiveness of God's kingdom in Jesus Christ. Luke wants his community to understand that. And God wants our community to embrace that and recognize that we are called together to fling open the doors of, king, of the kingdom and to call all those who are feeling lost and left out to come in. And when we do, God rejoices and amazing things happen. You heard two young people talk about how safe it feels in this church today. I was crying a little bit. How safe it isn't. Well, I can, t I can guarantee you there's a lot of people walking around out there who the last place they would think was safe would be a church. Right? You know what I'm talking about. That's not true here because we have taken seriously that the gates of heaven are open to all. And all are welcome. What now? What now is we keep those gates open. We get them open. And we invite as many people in because people need this safe place. Let's pray. Loving and gracious God, as we hear this message that comes to us from Luke about Philip reaching out to someone who is outcast, someone who was not welcome, someone who is has been told their whole lives there's something wrong. As we hear this story of Philip embracing this person and baptizing them into the body of Christ, we thank you for this lesson that comes to us as a clear mandate that we too should seek out those who've been left out and invite them into our midst. In the hope that they might too experience new life in you and know what the good news of Jesus Christ really is, that all are welcome in the kingdom of God. We ask these things in the precious and powerful name of Christ. Amen.